And it's in time that I'm so glad that I'm so glad that we have that blessed hope. Titus 2 verse 13 talks about the fact that the rapture, which we've talked about for the last couple of Sundays, is our glad hope. Glad we have that assurance. In times like these, I'm glad that we have the assurance that our Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. That's Hebrews 13, 6. Aren't you glad times like these we have that assurance? It's in times like these that I'm glad we have the assurance of Romans 8, 28. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. I'm glad that it's in times like this that Philippians 4.19 is true. And my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. It's in times like these that I'm glad of Philippians 4.13. That I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. I am glad that it's in times like this that we have Romans 8.31. If God be for us, who can be against us? Aren't you glad we have those type of scriptures? It's in times like this that I am glad that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. It's in times like this that the surety of us needing the Lord Jesus Christ is absolutely true. It's in times like this but I'm glad we have God's Word that we can run to. Here in just a few minutes before the end of the Scripture, I'm going to give you an opportunity, before the end of the sermon, I'm going to give you an opportunity to find a favorite Scripture that you would like to declare in times like this, I am glad, and quote that Scripture. No sermon, just that Scripture. In times like this, so be looking as you listen to the message. But if you'd like to share a scripture, and if I took the one that you wanted to use, I'm sorry, but you can still say, hey, I'm gl- I too am glad in times like this we have that assurance that God's not given us the spirit of fear. So be thinking about a scripture you might want to use to testify that in times like this you're glad. Something that God's Word declares to us. This morning, I want to share some things with you. And basically, it was a difficult, difficult week for me. I appreciate you praying. I appreciate your sentiments. I appreciate all that you did to help me get down there and and get get back. Um, I struggled, struggled this week. Uh, not just my good friend's, my good friend's uh, funeral, on other things that went on, the things that went on during this week, things that I, that I learned, things that I discussed with, with other friends. See, that's the thing about when you have these kind of funerals from, from go and go, and sometimes funerals can, you notice that? Reunions. You notice that? Reunions. You notice that? And so people, and you always people, and you always hear that that dreaded. Oh, did you hear about? And I pretty much had my feet. You hear? Oh, did you hear? 
Oh, did you hear about? And then they would something, and man, I couldn't something, and man, I couldn't wait to get leave Austin. Although I had a great time with our daughter Amy and son-in-law Ryan. We had a great time. Had a great time of fellowship. Restaurants, really good restaurants. Really good restaurants too. And you know, they we'd just sit and talk and laugh. We'd just sit and talk and laugh and chatter and and perfect. The only thing that would have made it perfect. The only thing that would have made it perfect had they been able to be there with me. Time to enjoy. That time to enjoy. But it was also uh, a, a, a difficult time. And afterwards, I was really ready to head back uh, to Missouri. Uh, and I thought, boy, I've got 12 hours to listen to talk radio. And if I thought I was depressed prior, it's not always the best thing to do. Not always the best thing to do. Just turn on some good old gospel music and blast down the road. Uh, that's, that's the answer to that. But losing, uh, losing uh, my, my good uh, and, and, talking, uh, and, and talking with his family, talking with, with other friends, it made me think. This, this, I have a Savior. This loves us. This loves us. This Savior who lives, uh, we can turn. Uh, we can turn to Him regardless. He, He's our rock. He, He's our rock. He, He is the one that, and He too, and He too, and He is always there. Always there. On this trip. There were four separate issues that came to my mind. Came to came to my mind, and basically, I'm just going to shame. I'm not going to mention any names. I'm not going to mention any names. I'm not going to go into detail because want me to, want me to. But four different issues came up, and you're my church family. You're coming to Eastling. I'm coming to Eastling. I'm coming to you for uh, just to help me deal with some of these things. And as a pastor, you, you hear about these type of things all the time. But on this trip, it was issues that were heartbreaking, situations that just troubled. And I think it's because it was a funeral. I think it's because it was a funeral. And I hadn't seen Ray in years and years. And there's so many things that were love fever. Uh, he loved Eva. Uh, he loved God, and and I, as I told you, the reason funeral is because he says on this funeral is because he says I know you'll preach the gospel, and 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 it was God was every and the music to every and the music to every aspect of of the funeral, but it was during this time that four different cases came to to my mind. Uh, and, and this is not counting the people who, the people who, the people who have, can have, or they have, or they have this health issue, this job loss, this job loss. I mean that those the thing, the thing that just brought with a heart, with a heart, with a number of people that I went to college with, or that I've known in some kind of ministry related divorcing the wives were divorcing the wives were divorcing the wives or the wives were divorcing the husbands and it was not because of abuse it was not because it was not because of it was not because of even infidelity it was basic and this is what just grieves me 
people that you would think went so that would that had been so that would that had been serving God and people burned were just burned were just burned out. But people that would but people that would say, you know what? I more. More. That feel it anymore. I don't feel it anymore. I don't feel it anymore. Talking to my wife. Wife. Or for their husband. People that would just say, you know what? This, this fellow's not turning out the way I thought he was going to turn out. People that I, that I counseled. Counseling. Um, counseling. Um, uh, one. And I, so I know. And I, so I know they went through counseling. At that time. At that time. We know it's God's will. That God's lead. That this is God's lead. That this is God's leading. We know that God, God wants me to marry her. God wants me to marry her. But here, years later, some of these people we're talking about 38 years. So, and all of a sudden, and all of a sudden, I ain't feeling it anymore for that person. You know, and you want to just take them and you just want to shake them. And you'll say, marriage is not based on your feelings. Whether not based on whether not based on whether you're in love with them or not commitment commitment it's based on commitment you're honoring one another it's based on a promise to one another a promise to one another what are you thinking and I would marriages marriages now you need to understand I'm still amazed that my wife's married to me she's perfect perfect nobody has the perfect marriage right okay but I'm going to tell you this what God expects is that commitment he expects that he in an attempt he in an attempt he expects you and to him and to him and to what he's called you in Tony and I would just Tony and I would just talk with these different people. Back to, get me back to, get me back to Missouri, get me back to. I, I, it was, I, I, it was, it was so troubling. All was going on, all was going on, and I realized that every one of these, well, everybody you talk to, they have, they have one of their stories. Every one of their stories, they're so, so interesting. But every one of these people that were tragedy they're having in their marriages, they're having in their marriages, and, and difficulty in their lives. One dear friend, he's basically homeless right now. Our divorce, wife, our divorce, wife, our divorced. Right, right. You realize, you realize that the falling apart is all because of their choices, of his choices, of his... You no, know, you hear them say, I can't believe... You no, know, you hear them say, I can't believe I've gotten to this stage of... No, he abandoned me. No, he abandoned me. No, he hasn't. You, you abandoned his precepts. You abandoned his precepts. You abandoned... And you did things that you shouldn't have done. You shouldn't have done over and over again. But the ones that hurt the most are the ones where a, a, a woman just said, 
I, I'm just not feeling it anymore. I just don't love him anymore. I'm out of it. I'm out of it. Now, they're not divorced yet, so be praying. You don't know them, but I'm telling you, be praying that God's going to get a hold of her heart. The guy's heart, the husband's heart, is broken. He's before God weeping daily. Pray for the wife. Pray for the wife. Because the world has just got and he in the world, and he in the world, and the world will do it. The, I'm telling you, there, Satan is the God of this world. The Satan hates the church. The Satan hates the church, the body of Christ. And desires more than desires more than to see the Christian family, the the Christian marriage, splintered, broken up, destroyed, so that he can sit back and point that as an example. You see there, you see, see there, you see there. He's the God of this world. He's the God of this world. He's the Prince and Power of Loves, to Loves. To bring about chaos and marriage breaks to see marriages breaks to see marriages break up. Help. Heaven help. Heaven help us. And the thing that is as is these people turn away from God, but they turn to the world. In the world, in the world, and 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 I I heard them say, "Well, I'm just not happy." You ever heard that from talking with somebody? I'm just not happy. So, 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 is is that the reason to stay married or not stay happy? Happy. You ask my wife. You ask my wife. Well, no. You get the point. You get the point. You get the point. Happiness in a marriage, thing to do with it. Thing to do with it. You give me joy any day. Any day. And the only way there's going to be keeping God's word, keeping God's word, keeping God's word, following. There are things. There are things just happy, just happy. But it, see, I see, I I want joy, I want happiness, the world happiness, the world talks about happiness. That is the standard. The world says to thy own self be true. What a lie from hell itself. To thy own self be true. Is that the standard? Is that contrary to God? We need to take, we need to take on the attitude of John the Baptist when he said, "He must in, see that goal decrease. See that goal decrease. See that goes totally against the I must be true. Must be true. Give me Job's. Things just to people. It's just things just to people. It's just things just aren't going right. I, you know, my job is not what it used to be, and financially we're having this difficulty, and and God just must not love me. And and I say, well, you know, and you're talking to this individual, and you're talking to this individual, and you you find out about their life, and you realize their life, and you realize that how can it's messed up. That's messed up the way. Th- 
But the enemy, oh, you slay me. Oh, you slay me. Oh, you slay me. Still I will. Still I will love you. See, that's It's not your conditions. It's not all the groovy things that are happening in your life. Sorry, I was raised in the 60s. It's taking place, taking place that gives life meaning. It's the faithfulness to God, to His Word, to maintain His Word, to be an example of the testimony that God would have us to be in this world that is so contrary to Him. But I want to tell you what Christians do. And boy, and this is this nine, uh, Acts 9, uh, Acts 9, 5. You know, the Lord to, 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 to Saul on the road to Damascus. And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus. the Lord said, I am Jesus. Judas. Judas. It is hard for this or the goats or the goads. But I'm a Christian is a world full of Christian is a world full of Christian believers. That exactly that. Exactly that. Kicking against against the pricks. Against the pricks. And you go, well, what in the world is that? That means is that means is there are. Well, what that means is, back in those days, all the car- carts were pulled by oxen. And carts was, those training carts would those training carts would have these goads, uh, things, uh, things in the front of the cart, overly sharp, overly sharp, but they were still painted. To pull that cart, to pull that cart. If he had pulled it a little way, and then he'd get rid of this. I don't want to pull this thing. Rid of this. I don't want to pull this thing. I don't want to do what the master wants me to do. I want to go contrary to what the master wants me to do. And so those ox, they would. Those ox, they would kick. Well, they had these pricks. They had these goads. They were blunted. Uh, on, on it would, it would, it would, it would, it would not injure them. But boy, they'd feel it. And they soon learned to quit kicking against the goads. It was a whole lot better to just do what the master wanted him to do rather than kick, rather than fight it. Submissive, be submissive, surrender to it. That's what the Lord was talking to Paul about. Saul was just kicking against, he's a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He thought he was doing God a favor by dragging to slaughter these Believers that this Jesus, the Messiah, the Messiah, he thought he was doing right. He thought he was doing good, but he wasn't. What he was doing is he was fighting against that which the master, the creator, would have him do. Folks, I'm telling you, there's a world full of Christians that do exactly that. Unfortunately, I think some of them take joy and kicking against the pricks. Look at Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Here's something we need to understand. 
I'm, I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Here is a call that we need to broadcast to the church, the body of Christ, and I mean across denominational lines. But here is a truth that the church needs to hear and to understand. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. And this I say then, talking to the church in Galatia, talking to St. Louis Bible Fellowship in St. Louis, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, where a lot of folks don't understand, unfortunately, because of tradition, and because that word spirit there is in the capital S, and they're thinking it's the Holy Spirit, it is walk in the Spirit. Walk in that new nature. You've been made a new creation. And here it is, you know, walk in the Spirit. Before you become a believer, before you become a believer, your spirit is dead. Your soul, your body, yep, that's, that's alive. Your soul, your conscience. But until God quickens that spirit, and that happens the moment you believe that Christ died for your sins, was buried and rose again, you are made alive. You are quickened. Your spirit is, is made alive. The world can't walk in the spirit because it's dead. It's not until it is uh, made alive by living God that they could even walk in the Spirit. And, and that's what God's Word here is saying, is I say then, walk in the Spirit, in that new, new nature, if you will. Walk in that new man. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the, lust, for the flesh lusts lust against the Spirit. Your flesh, your body, Lust against the change that God has brought about. Your spirit, he has made alive. He has reconnected you with him through making alive that spirit. And boy, the flesh does not want that. The flesh wants to be gratified. The flesh wants to do what it wants to do. But the Spirit of God is directing. The Spirit of God is alive. But they are warring against one another. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led by the spirit, you are not under the law. You have been saved by God's grace. We're no longer under the law. We're under grace. If you've been made a new creation, the spirit is alive. You're no longer under the law. But God's desire for you it's for the spirit that's been made alive to win out, not the flesh. But for so many Christians, the world just causes us to want to embrace it, to love on it, thinking that it's, it's going to, well, it really has my best interest in mind. Can I share something with you, a secret? The world does not have your best interest in mind. Christian. Actually, it's the opposite. It's the opposite. Verse 19 through 26. Read that when you get home. Look at that. It talks about the works of the flesh. It talks about the work of the fruit of the Spirit. 
And boy, what a difference. What a difference. But unfortunately, a lot of believers operate, live their lives under the works of the flesh. Because the flesh and the spirit are warring. But after we talked, and if, if I started giving you an example, if you're probably saying, where is he going with this? What, what's going on here? I'm telling you, you would be weeping and grieving and wondering just the way that I am in, in, in dealing with all this. Um, good friends, people that, that, I, that I love, But I'll tell you what it did. Whenever we get out in the world and, and we, we see things that are going on, um, what it did, as I hope it does for all of us, is it makes us hungry. It makes us needful for the Word of God. You know, when Scripture talks about how the Word of God is washes, i got to tell you, that's exactly what the Word of God does is it washes. It washes. Romans 8. Romans 8. How, th- how thankful I am for Romans 8. Romans 8, verse 8, or 15. Romans 8, 15. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit. Now that's the Holy Spirit bears witness with that spirit that we have that's been uh, rejuvenated. Well, not just rejuvenated, it's been made alive. When he talks about you've been made a new creation, you've been made a new creature, well, you certainly have because before you were body, soul, although the spirit was there, it was just dead. But when you've been made a new creation, you you now have a spirit that's alive within you. And look what it says we can do. The spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified with him. I got to tell you, that scripture on my way home just gladdened my heart. It made me thankful that that I'm a child of God. Not Not by any of my doing, not by any of of my reckoning, not by anything that I accomplished, but because of God's grace, because of His mercy. And when I see all the struggling, I see all the difficulty, I hear all the stuff that, yeah, I I did listen to some talk radio on the way home, and it just causes you to, to grieve even more. How thankful I am that God's in charge, and regardless of what happens around the world, or in this nation, or with the next election, or regardless... I serve a risen Savior. I serve, the tomb is empty. How absolutely thankful in times like these I have a Savior. I have a God who loves me and that this God 
has expectations of me. That he calls me to serve. He calls me to live for him. What a tremendous God that is. Not only does he save me, but he says, and I want to use you. I have a purpose for you. That purpose is to not go skipping after the world. That purpose is to stand against the world. That purpose is to speak what God's word says, what the world needs, needs to hear. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And how should a child of God live? How should a child of God look at their lives? Turn, turn with me to Colossians. To Colossians. And I hope you're looking for verses. Because I'm going to give you a chance in just a few minutes. In times like these, you're glad for this scripture. And that you're going to be willing to share. And if you're not, we're going to beat the Baptists to dinner. Just so you know. Because we'll be done. Colossians chapter 3. What needs to be our mindset in this world? When the world, even believers, are doing things that the world gives them a thumbs up over. When believers are, are, and and really, and mainly, the husband and wife relationship. That's, that's really what caused this that the Lord used to just burden my heart. The things that the world is doing, that Christians are doing. I mean, you know, there are a lot of churches that call things sin that's not sin. There are a lot of things they call sin or not call sin that is sin. And the only thing we have to go by is God's word. But boy, when it comes to the institution of holy matrimony, but that thing that God's word is so clear on, how can we miss it? But Colossians chapter 3, believer, what needs to be our mindset? What needs to be our attitude? Starting with verse 1, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. If, that word if is in the indicative mood, that means that it's, the hypothesis here is to be assumed. It's like if you be Americans, salute the flag. Well, you are American, so you should salute the flag. If it's, it's not a conditional if, it is an assumed. We might use the word sense. Hey, sense, you're risen with Christ, because believer That's exactly what your position is in Christ. And you need to understand it. You need to accept that. That right now you are in Christ. Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. That is your position in Christ. And you need to consider yourself, that's a fact. Philippians. Look at Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. For our conversation, our citizenship is going to be in heaven. Is that what it says? For our citizenship is in heaven. That's where you are seated with Christ this very moment. 
You are seated in the heavenlies, for our citizenship is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, or that body of humiliation. That's the reason this mortal has to put on immortality, and this corruptible put on uh, incorruption. But it's Christ who's going to change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the workings whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. That means subdue Rick Owsley, conform him to the image of his son. He's going to change this vile body like his body. Perfect. Without sin. He's going to change this corruptible and make it incorruptible. Because I'm seated right there with him this very moment. If ye then be risen with Christ, you are risen with Christ. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Boy, these these two verses really deserve their own message, their own sermon. Verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That is not a future event. Christian, you need to see yourself there now. And if you're there now, You go about living like you're there now. If you then be risen with Christ, that's your position. You have been. Seek those things which are above. You know what things are above? Look at Ephesians again. Go back to Ephesians 1. And and there's other... this, This verse deserves its own sermon. But look at Ephesians 1, 18 that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us were to believe according to the working of his mighty power. What? Seek those things. Seek those things which are above. What's above? Your position in Christ. The fact that you're a joint heir. That the riches of that inheritance that we have in Christ. Those are the things that you're to be seeking. Those are the things that, church, we're to be living for. If you you then be risen with Christ, and you have been, you seek those things, that glorious inheritance that we have with Christ. That's what, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. And set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. You just wouldn't think that you'd have to tell believers who have who's had a lifetime of ministry that truth, would you? Set your affections, set your your heart, your feelings, your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. You wouldn't think you'd have to tell people who are in the Word and they see the goodness and the graciousness and the mercy of God 
that the world does not have their best interest in mind. Only the God who loves you has your best interest in mind. But you set your affection on things above, not things on the earth. And, I, and I've shared this before, but it just came to me again. I grew up with a saying, and I think you've heard it because I've asked you before if you've heard it, but I think it fits now. I grew up with a saying referring to Christians as a put-down. This was a put-down. And if they were referring to somebody that really loved the Lord and the joy of the Lord was their strength and they were all enthusiastic about the Lord and, and they talked about Him all the time, They'd say, that person is so heavenly-minded, he's no earthly good. You ever heard that? That person is so heavenly-minded, he's no earthly good. That's not possible for the guy who loves God, who understands who he is in Christ. My citizenship is not on this earth. For you are dead, verse 3, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Wow, what a position, what a truth. My life is hid with Christ. I'm in Him. I'm seated in the heavenlies with God this very moment. So because of that, my mind is to be on heavenly things, the truth of God and His purpose. Verse 4, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with Him in glory. What a glorious promise, hope, certainty, truth that is. You're risen with Christ. You're a new creation. Your affection is supposed to be on things. The things you think about are the things that are in heaven. And what you have waiting for you in heaven. Who you are understanding that the church, the body of Christ, is the fullness of Christ. We fill Him up according to Ephesians 1. Just as God, or just as the Lord Jesus fills up the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. According to Colossians, He is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. What He allows us to be is to fill Him up, the Lord Jesus. We make Him who He is declared to be. He is the glorified head. We are going to be the glorified body one day. One day. Now that truth just boggles my mind. That God is going to allow us to be that so that, in the, so that in the ages to come, He might show forth the exceeding riches of His grace. That's our purpose. That is your purpose is to in the ages to come to have the rest of creation, the angelic creation, 
those, those created beings, the seraphim, the cherubim, the angels, the 24 elders, all of those specially created beings that inhabit heaven this very moment, you are going to be the creation that causes them to praise God for what He's doing and has done in your life. To me, I just... How can you take a worm like this and make it in such a butterfly that glorifies you? But He does it for His name's sake. In times like this, I am so glad that He looked beyond my faults and He saw my need. It is in times like this that well, I'm not going to come up with another scripture because I might just start taking yours. You got a scripture that in times like this that you want to share? If you don't, I'm going to keep preaching. Who has one? Gary, you have one. I can tell, Gary, I can tell by the way he was looking. And then Linda, you're next. Yeah, here. Here, catch. And then pass it to the next one. Okay. I wanted to jump in before you used mine. You almost used it. Yeah. When I think of uh, the, the times like this, I think of the, the word groaning comes to mind. And uh, we groan with all of creation. And uh, some of us groan. My wife says I groan every morning when I get out of bed. <laughs> I guess I do. Amen, brother. <laughs> but uh, along the lines of what you were sharing, uh, Romans 8, 18 says, for I reckon, well, first of all, um, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. But in earlier in there, in Romans 8, my, my scripture is Romans 8, 18, it says, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And it's along those same lines that you were Amen. just talking Amen. about. The fact that all of creation is waiting for the sons of God, to, uh, as it says. Until now, you see. Oh, 19 says, for the earnest expectation of the creature, I knew it was right there, of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. And uh, what a day that'll be. Yeah. And we're told also, I don't want to use somebody else's scripture, but we're supposed to comfort one another with these words. I won't say anymore. I'll use somebody Amen. else's words. Hand that to Linda. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah. I have lived most of my life by one scripture. Naked came I to this world. Naked so shall I leave. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Praise be in the name of the Lord. Amen. So, what, did you have one? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. We know that the way of our Savior was suffering. So we know we're going to have to suffer. We know that we're going to have to suffer. And in times like these, my scripture is Psalms 34 and 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivered him out of them all. Amen. 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 My favorites are in Ephesians, 
Um, I'll start with Ephesians 1, 17 through 18, that the God of Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that we know the hope of his calling. Um, to Ephesians 3, 2 through 6, that we've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God by revelation of the mystery, that we're joint heirs and of the same body, partakers of his promise in Christ. Amen. 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 Marge, and then... Oh, yeah, you do. They can't hear you. Oh, yes, they can. Yeah. <laughs> the sufferings of this world are not worthy to be compared. And I love that. But then I go, <coughs> excuse me, I like all of Romans 8, but it says that he will never leave us for Amen. Amen. Bill. Um, I think we all have a lot of different verses, but again, I. I don't want to take somebody else's, so I'll just do one. Um, but one of my favorites is um, John 14, 27, where it says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Amen. So, uh, no. Yours, hers is yours. Uh, Joanne? Mine is Psalm 102, uh, chapter 102, verse 2. Hide not thy face from me the day when I am in trouble. Incline thine ear unto me in the day when I call. Answer me speedily. Amen. 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 Uh, more recently, for 60 years uh, where media has ruled our life. Uh, thoughts and ideas from movies and uh, things that aren't true tell us to follow our heart. Disney's main theme, follow our heart. Before that, there were the uh, philosophers of older age that did the same thing. But if we follow our heart, we'll be in real trouble because in I think it is Jeremiah 17 Desperate. verse 9 the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it right. aren't you glad he changes it Tim getting my exercise won't have Hi there. Uh, so when I was in journalism school, we were taught to avoid cliches like the plague. Uh, <laughs> and But there is one cliche that is something very important for us to remember is that we will not win every battle, but we have already won the war Amen. Uh, when it comes to that. So I like, and this is my favorite book in the whole Bible, and it's one that we're all talking from today, uh, Romans 8, 37 through 39. It says, nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, next verse, nor height, nor depth, nor any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you are saved, no matter what happens, you are saved. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Kip. Uh, 
this is one that uh, I need every day dealing with the world. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and to the Greek. Amen. Anyone? Oh, oh, okay. Um, ladies first. Um, when I feel despair over, you know, this rapid acceleration of, of just insanity in our culture, um, I just feel like the Holy Spirit always just the same thing pops into my head, which is that Jesus, that Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Amen. Psalm 2 has great application to our world today. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh the Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? And then we're going to stand and sing 577. So 577. Pat? You? Put it close. Yeah. It's uh, First John. And he says... Um, Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye have from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, no new commandment I write unto you. That um, basically ye should love one another as God has loved you. And Amen. that's very important to me because I know that love covers a multitude of sins. And we as believers, we need that more than anything, to love each other. Amen. God's word is absolutely, positively true. And as I said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You know, and I know this sermon today, a lot of, a lot of folks are, hey, I've been through some of the stuff that you were just talking about, and, and you just don't understand. You're probably right. I, I don't understand certain things that, that take place between a husband and a wife and, and the hurt and the pain and the despair. And I, but here's what I do understand. God is the great healer. He is the one that can put shattered lives back together. He is the one that can make a difference regardless, regardless of sin, regardless of what's gone on. But the thing that grieves me today is how many believers just do not want to turn to the great physician 
to the great God of heaven and they want to take and be embraced by the world and have the world tell them, that's okay, that's all right. You just be happy and uh, do what? Yeah, happiness is to thyself be true. Wow, that would get me into a lot of trouble. You need to understand. That would get me into a lot of trouble. Let's stand. And we're going to end the service this morning, 577, and times like these, oh, you need a Savior. Times like this, she needs a microphone. <laughs>